Amen. Hey, you guys. It is good to be with you. How we doing? Oh, man. That's encouraging. Okay. We have a lot of work to do then. Um, my name's Kyler, like Sabrina said. If I haven't met you, um, I want to meet you. So come up and eat cereal and we'll hang out. Cereal was kind of like one of my favorite college late night snacks. I don't know if it's yours, but it's one of the better ones. I actually would argue it's like the best one. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, anybody with me? All right, all right. That's a little bit more encouraging. All right, well, so we're going through this parable series tonight. We've got a parable that's in the Gospel of Matthew. And um, these parables, right, these stories Jesus told, they kind of just were getting at kind of exposing a point Jesus wanted to teach. They were in response to maybe something that somebody said. He wanted to get across a spiritual truth, and he used a parable. He used a story for us to understand it. And so we actually have to do some work in the chapter that comes before our chapter tonight, which is Matthew 20. We've got to open to Matthew chapter 19 first, just to kind of understand um, the parable. Because if we don't get the, the context that this parable is in, we're not going to get the, the point of the parable. And so Jesus actually is approached by this guy who's called the rich young man. In Matthew 19, verses 16 is kind of when it starts. And, and this rich young man comes up to Jesus and he asks him, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Which is, I mean, that's a good, he's asking the right guy, right? I mean, he's asking, he's asking the right guy. And Jesus' response to him is first like, hey man, I want to show you how difficult it is to just get there by doing good deeds. He asks him some hard questions that he kind of answers with some, some serious like pride. Like, I've, man, I've kept the law. I've done real good, Jesus. And then Jesus eventually comes and says to him, after what he said to him is this. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Like that's, that's what you could do. You're super rich. You could do that. You could come and follow me. But it says in verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Like he had, had so much that he didn't want to leave it behind for Jesus. And Jesus' disciples are there, and this chapter continues, and Jesus says to his disciples something you may have heard before. He says, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. You might have heard him say that. It's kind of this, honestly, like scary statement because honestly, if we think about it, we in America, we're quite well off. Like Jesus is saying, it's difficult for people who are rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Like that's wild. And so Jesus is saying this. You actually have some great obstacle to overcome in order to get into heaven because this actually is impossible for you. He looks at his disciples, verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, 
But with God, all things are possible. Jesus is talking about salvation, right? What deed must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, attaining eternal life with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus is talking about salvation. He's saying regardless of your your net worth, regardless of if you're rich or poor, salvation is impossible apart from God. And he ends telling his disciples, verse 30, but many who are last will be, many who are first will be last, and the last first. It's this deep saying that maybe you're also familiar with Jesus saying this. Jesus is saying, like, the kingdom of God operates completely different. It's an upside-down kingdom. And I want us to understand, kind of as we get into this parable. Jesus is wanting to teach us something first and foremost about God, the character of God, okay? He wants to teach us about the character of God. This parable starts, look at verse 1 in chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So he's teaching us about the kingdom of heaven. He's saying it's like this. And let's just understand a little bit better the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is where God's rule and reign is actually like with his people. It's, it's the place where God's kingdom, where God's reign is. It's where his perfect rule exists. And Jesus is telling this parable because what has just happened before, and we're going to jump back up one more time, what's ju- just happened before is as he's having this conversation with his disciples, and they're, they're kind of going, man, we saw this rich young man not willing to, to leave everything he had. But Peter, one of his disciples, goes, but Jesus, I mean, what about me? Like, Jesus, I left everything. Like, see, we have left everything. What are we going to have? And so this is the prompt for Jesus to tell this story. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. In this time, it was actually fairly common for lots of people to be actually without a consistent job. And this master of the house is somebody who has the means to to hire people into his vineyard. Verse 2, after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So this guy, this guy actually is sending workers out. He's gone and hired them, and he wants them to work for him. At, back in this day, what's happened with the, the people of God is that actually the, the Romans have taken so much land from them that they actually might have been working land they used to own. They, they would have been in this position of great need, having to be Day laborers, just hoping that every day they would earn enough money to go home and be able to feed their family. And this, this master, this landowner, he's agreed with them for a denarius. That would have been a good day's wage. Like, you wouldn't have complained about that. You'd been like, sign me up for that. I'm game for that. Verse 3, and going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And, he, and to them he said... You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, 
I will give you. So they went. So this landowner, he has the means to actually go and get more workers into his vineyard. He is clearly doing well. He wants his harvest in. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. So this, this was 12 and 3. They worked 12-hour days from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Here they go out again at the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did the same. And in about the 11th hour, he wants more laborers. He wants more people out in his harvest. About the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. Like, this is the situation there, and they're in need. No one, no one has hired them. They need to go home to feed their family. They need work. No one has hired them in this economy. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when those who hired about the eleventh hour, those who were hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius, and on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. I mean, you guys would get this, right? Many of you have jobs, I know. And if you were in this position, working for 12 hours or however many hours, and payday comes, like you get paid before you leave work, which probably doesn't happen for you that way now, but you get paid, just imagine, you get paid as you're leaving work and your boss has, your boss has the person who actually worked the little shift, the smallest shift of the day, come and he gives you, he gives that person a really good amount of money. Like more than, more than they would have earned, more than your kind of hourly rate would get you. And he chose to do this in an intentional way where then it's you coming and you're hoping, I'm going to get more. Like wouldn't you expect more if you see your boss paying this person more money? You would start to think that, that you're entitled wouldn't you? That you're entitled to more because of how your boss is compensating this worker. Right? And I mean, this idea of kind of just feeling like we're entitled, that we're owed something, doesn't just kind of come if, if that was our situation. If we maybe found out how much someone else working less than us was getting paid, we're kind of told that in our culture too, aren't we? Like, in our culture, this is a very common kind of language to be like, you deserve more. Like, you deserve this car. You deserve this great financing for this car that you can't afford. You deserve, you deserve someone that's going to make you happy. You deserve someone that's going to treat you right. And if, if they don't treat you right, you deserve someone better. You ever heard that? Like you deserve, you deserve some, 
just great vacation, or you deserve the, the best job, the greatest paying job right after college, you should get that job. You deserve it. And it's this very same attitude, right, that Peter and the disciples kind of thought they had when they saw this man who wasn't ready, who wasn't willing to sell everything he had and follow Jesus like they had. And they go, Jesus, what, do, what about us, man? Right? Like, I deserve something because I have done this for you, Jesus. You've ever thought of it on that level, like that God owes you? Like maybe, maybe you've said, like, God, I don't, I don't deserve this trial in my life. Like, why, why don't I have what other people have? Why don't I have the life that they have? It's in relationships. It's in our lifestyle. It's in all of it. It's in our possessions. Like, we think that we deserve something better. And you guys... Let me ask you this. What do you think you really deserve? Like, how, how do you think God really should treat you? Let's see how, how God really treats these people who, who actually have a, a problem with his generosity. Verse 13, right? They've just, we're going to read verse 13 in a second. They've just said to the master, to the landowner, like, look what we have done for you. Look at the work that we have done, working all day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. And that's how this parable ends. Jesus' book ends it with the last will be first and the first will be last. It's this opposite order of how he ended chapter 19 when he said, but many who are first will be last and the last first. This parable is putting kind of some flesh to this statement that he's making of the first will be last. It's him illustrating it. So is God not allowed to be generous or to give a trial? Is he not allowed to do what he chooses? He's God. Jesus, again, he wants to show us, first of all, through this parable, something about the character of God. He wants to show us that the, the God of the universe wants laborers in his harvest. And it's not about when they come into his harvest, when they start working for him. And even when we have this attitude of, God, don't we deserve something from you? God, look at what we have done. Look at the work that we have put in. I mean, I'm just struck by this. He responds to one of them. I don't know, who, who might it be? Peter? He's thinking of friend. He calls him friend. He says, I am doing you no wrong. Like, remember who these workers are, you guys. These workers are people who every morning are waking up with no clue if they're going to be able to even 
make enough money to survive the day. You wouldn't live back then with a nice savings account that you could have an emergency fund in or whatever. You were needing to make this money. And Jesus is saying, this laborer or this, this landowner, he's such a generous owner of land. He's such a generous man. He goes out to hire you. Like none of us in this room were saved just by kind of our, our works or our willpower. God came and got us. Just like Jesus is saying, this landowner came and got these workers to work in his vineyard. Jesus ends this story just highlighting the generosity of the landowner. Like, this landowner isn't unjust. He's just exceedingly generous. But to the people who see the amount of money that he pays out to the the people that came and just worked a tiny little bit at the end of the day, he kind of is unjust. Like, they kind of have a problem with him. So the spiritual point of this parable, like what, what is it? Jesus isn't giving his opinion on like fair and equal pay, right, for, for kind of working and for the economy. But if, hey, if you graduate a couple years, you want to start a business and you want to pay me like this good just for working like an hour every day, I might show up. Let me know. It's not him doing that. This is Jesus saying salvation is free. The benefits of it, the the gift of eternal life is free. Trust in me. When you come to me, you receive all of it. Like to all who trust in me, no matter when they come, they receive the benefits of eternal life. All of them. Like heaven isn't for really good people or people who have been with Jesus really long or anything like that. It's for the ones who receive the generous grace of God. So no one in heaven deserves to be there. No one in heaven deserves to be there. They're simply a recipient of grace. They've received the grace of Jesus. A gift that they could never earn. You could put it this way. The only way we enter God's kingdom is by grace. Because sacrifices for Jesus don't actually get you into heaven. The offer is simple. Come and follow me. Come and follow me, Jesus says. The kingdom of God is like this. It's like this crazy offer where you can come to Jesus on your deathbed You can be the thief on the cross where Jesus says, today I will be with you in paradise. And it's Jesus who came and got you when you were standing there in your greatest need, at your worst. God makes his enemies friends. God moves toward us in our unbelief and in our need. We are these day laborers without any hope. And our greatest trouble isn't just like being able to feed our family, making enough for the day. It is our sin 
and our guilt before God. And he takes care of it on the cross. And you guys, you need to hear me. I don't want us to to lose our amazement at the grace of God. Because if you start to fall into thinking that the grace of God was just kind of beautiful when you first came to Jesus, that when you first believed, that was when it was sweetest, I'm telling you, you're going to get to heaven and you're not going to like seeing how generous God is, how gracious he is, how there's people that come after you, if you even get there at all. You'll be just like the workers described in this parable who, who see what these other people are compensated, people who they esteemed didn't deserve as much as them. And all of a sudden, they're not grateful for something that they should have been grateful for regardless. Like they got what they agreed for with the master. They got what they needed to go home and feed their family. They got what they needed to take care of themselves. But then seeing what this generous master did changed their hearts. Was grace sweeter to you when you first believed? Was grace sweeter to you some time back in the past? Maybe... Maybe the answer is no, but hear me. I don't want you to think that you're above that happening to you. Like it even happened to to Peter kind of. Peter's going, I'm owed something better. Maybe, Maybe the grace of Jesus just coming to me and calling me out wasn't enough. Don't start to think that you're somehow above that. Like Jesus, the eternal Son of God, left heaven for you to come and be this perfect worker in God's harvest. The only worker in God's harvest that deserved any sort of reward, any sort of compensation. And he laid his life down for you and me to grant us entrance into the kingdom of God. He traded places with us. That is the gospel. And maybe tonight... Maybe tonight what you need to do is actually just to to come back to Jesus being your friend. Like you you might say, yeah, I follow Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is my Savior and my Lord, and that's amazing. Jesus is your friend. I was just struck by that in this passage, you guys, that Jesus, our friend of sinners, even when we have this attitude of we deserve something from you, his response is, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Have you just left Jesus being your friend and felt like he, does, he needs to give you something more than himself? Don't drift away from grace. Don't start to think that you're above that. And some of you in this room, maybe... Tonight is the night that you surrender everything, that you write a blank check of your life to Jesus. You surrender to Jesus. You say, Jesus, you've laid your life down for me. You have gone into this world for me, lived this life I couldn't live. You need to lay your life down for Jesus and turn to him 
repent of your sins and trust in him for the very first time. I'm telling you, that is the response to who Jesus is. That is the response to his gospel. It's the only right response. And Salt Company, who would we be like? What would Salt Company be like if we actually started to be changed more by the reality of this? That what we really deserved was hell. What we really deserved was actually God giving us what was just, what his holiness demanded. And that changed our thinking to see that everything that we do have in this life is simply a gift of God. It's simply him being kind, him being gracious, him giving us just himself is amazing. We would be people that worship in hardship. You guys, we would, be, we would be people that would be far less jealous of other people's possessions, other people's boyfriend, girlfriend, other people's success in general. I think we would, we would actually more deeply and we'd more deeply embrace what the, what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 13. He says, that we have a better possession and an abiding one. Like in God, we have a better possession and an abiding one. Like one that lasts. Because guys, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, our greatest treasure will be God. It's going to be God himself. Like we will not ever, never grow old of Worshiping him, beholding his glory, seeing him for who he is. Not even after 10,000 years. And just like you guys, this, this landowner went out time after time after time. Throughout the day, hiring people. Jesus wants you in his harvest. His harvest of souls that actually need to respond to the gospel. Souls that need saving. Like he wants lost people everywhere to be found. He wants people that don't have a chance right now of hearing the gospel to hear the news. That he has come down and lived this life and died on the cross for the world. For humanity. He loves humanity. And he was put in a tomb. And three days later he rose from the dead, conquering sin, Satan, and death. People need to hear that news, you guys. It's not being proclaimed in every corner of the world. So maybe tonight Jesus is calling you to actually surrender your summer to him. Like you've already surrendered your life to him, so what's your summer? That's part of your life. He's calling you maybe to do that to go and proclaim his gospel somewhere else in the world. To go and tell those people of his gracious salvation, of this generous God, this generous God who comes to them and saves them. So, you guys, as the band comes up in a minute, our response to this 
is really just to remember what we deserve. It's to remember who we are. That apart from, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Like we can't save ourselves. We can't enter eternal life. We can't get God. We're hopeless. We are these people going just in need. And it's there in our need that Jesus meets us. He used the enemy's greatest weapon, death, to defeat death. He died for you and for me. He laid his life down. That demands you dying. It demands you dying and living for his sake. So let's pray. Jesus, you are, you are the king. We can't fathom what you've done for us. We can't thank you enough that you would give yourself for us. When we were at our, at our worst, that's when you showed us how great you you love us, and God, we, we're sorry for all of the times that we have thought or maybe even said to you that we deserve something better, that we deserve a more comfortable life, a more um, just enjoyable job, a more um, just loving friend group. Jesus, we repent. You are our possession. You are our prize. You are you are our king. Help us to respond for what you've done for us. Thank you for your blood. Thank you that in you we are, are clean and righteous before the God of the universe. Gotta pray right now that you would just remind people in this room who have maybe forgotten what it's like to be friends with you, of how sweet that is, that that you are patient, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Spirit, would you call more people from death to life? Call more people into the harvest for your namesake. We want to be 
laborers for you, Jesus, because of what you've done for us. Help us to, to worship you for who you are. Pray in your name. Amen.